Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone who is listening on the replay for this Thursday Thursday being taped or taped, recorded live in front of a webinar audience. We might have some audience participation coming in. We will do everything that we can to give you the audio. If we're describing any charts or anything, we will uh, try to describe what those charts look like as best as we can. So you can see them if you're listening to the podcast on a social distance walk, disconnecting of the house, or maybe while standing outside a barber shop. If you're in an area where you can go get a haircut. Um, so first off, thank you to our guest Carly from ShipBob. Carly, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what ShipBob does? And I think if we're in the e-commerce ecosystem, we know that ShipBob is a three PL. But what's what's really that ShipBob magic that differentiates you from the the rest of the the three PLs? Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be on. Uh, so ShipBob is a tech-enabled three PL. Um, if you're like, what the heck does that mean? We integrate with all the major e-commerce platforms like Shopify, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, Magento. Um, we have seven fulfillment centers across the U.S. We just launched two internationally in Canada, and then we launched one in Europe. So super excited about that. And really what we're doing is we're giving e-commerce uh, businesses the ability to have that Amazon-like shipping, that two-day shipping uh, express at standard rates, standard ground shipping rates. Awesome. So I guess in, if you're really an industry professional, uh, you've dealt with 3PLs before and it's literally you export your CSV of your orders, send it to them twice a day. There's no yeah. communication there, which is huge, but also you're allowing independent retailers to compete with Amazon and that two day Amazon prime shipping we're going to get get it wherever, wherever it is. So that's, that's really awesome. And it ties into what we do at Gorgeous, which is why we have it on the show, because so many people want to know where their order is. Yeah. So the reason that I wanted to have you on is to really talk about, if you go to trends.shipbob.com, there you've got, you've done an amazing job of summarizing so many of those trends by vertical to show what's been happening since uh, since really the pandemic started at the start of March. And I know that there was a lot of what's happening, what's going to to go on. We've seen some just industries go up, some go down. What's been been sort of the trends there? So if we were to summarize those top three trends that we've seen uh, by vertical specifically, what are some of those the top three most interesting trends that uh, that you would that you would have for us? Yeah, so it's kind of what you expected, right? So like if you think about the pandemic and, and really COVID and, and the effect that, you know, everyone in the beginning phase was trying to buy toilet paper and like feminine products and, and, and food and, and things like that. Those are exactly what we saw huge spikes in. We saw huge spikes in the beginning in, you know, protective gear such as face masks, gloves, hand sanitizers. We saw huge spikes in workout equipment. I think that our, our brands were selling out eight months of inventory in like two days. Um, go ahead. I was looking to buying a like a smart trainer for for my bicycle so yeah. that I could um, just ride my bike inside, and they were pretty much on back order, sold out because most things sell at a pretty stable rate. Like toilet paper, people <laughs> use the same amount. It's the very consistent sales. And because it's such a, such a large bulky product, it's really expensive to store and ship out. So 
we're going to get really into inside baseball here, but the average grocery store has about two to three weeks of supplies within the center shelf, so the non-perishable food items. Let's say through the distributor, they have another two to three weeks, and then uh, the manufacturer has about two to three weeks as well, everyone working on net 30 payment terms. So when the consumption of toilet paper and that purchase rate is increased uh, substantially and people are buying a two-month supply, that's clearing out the entire supply chain from manufacturer to distributor to, to grocery store, uh, which is really interesting why we saw such shortages and are only now coming back to those levels, but people haven't been purchasing because they stocked up and it's not like they really needed more toilet paper. I don't think we need to go into why. Everyone knows why, but it just it's just such a predictable uh, selling product. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely crazy to see the toilet paper and that vertical just spike. Um, and now it's kind of flattened out with exactly what you said. Um, we haven't had seen any huge spikes in it, but but in the beginning of COVID, yeah, those those were really what we were seeing along with just like baby products and formula and and people really just buying a ton of those things. And now we just see them kind of leveled out. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so one thing that you had mentioned and one thing that we saw was brands were just launching new new products. So what happened with that on the fulfillment side of things when everyone's getting into PPE, make uh, apparel companies switching over to masks. Uh, I know that Nike did a lot of brands did or even retooling to just sell different things. Like I've got a, a cool hand sanitizer made by a gin company uh, locally here in the GTA. I mean, it's great if you get, um, if you're talking to someone, you just spray your hands and they think that you've been drinking gin all afternoon, which is kind of funny, but um, a lot of point being I'm rambling that a lot of brands did switch. So what does that look like from a logistics and brand perspective? If I've got my company, not all of a sudden I'm, I'm adding the SKUs in, how does that work with fulfillment and logistics? Yeah. So, I mean, we saw a lot of our, our brands um, adding in like face masks and hand sanitizers and, and trying this out and, and trying email marketing and, and kind of taking like a healthy risk. I think if you were to add on any products, a face mask is definitely a healthy risk to add on. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was just super exciting to kind of see these brands pivot and add on this product. I think the brands that did it, we, they saw huge spikes. Like they were, they were adding it on before we even had it in our fulfillment centers and just taking pre-orders. Um, and then once we received in the inventory, they had probably about 4,000 pre-orders that were ready to go out, which was super exciting to see. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it also helps with your inventory planning as well. So I guess it would just be send your, your skid or your container of masks to ship Bob and then almost just as fast as it's being received, it's being shipped right out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome to see our system, you know, how it does that. We automatically pull orders from Shopify every 30 seconds. So mm -hmm. there, you don't need to do anything on your end. It's completely hands off. So I think for a lot of these brands, that was really like a lifesaver and, and a game changer because a lot of them weren't weren't able to like keep up with such a like a huge influx of these orders. So it, it was really cool to see. Yeah, I know that's something that kind of leads into the next point. What happened in in some of those surges of, of shipping volume? If you can kind of dig into that, what were some of the extreme examples that that you saw? I know that you saw that you were refreshing every thirty seconds, which 
I mean, some stores Black Friday, if, if there's a drop, I'm sure if Kylie does a swipe up on something, then it's huge. But but again, going really inside baseball for the huge brand, so uh, Under Armour, Nike, if they do a limited edition drop, let's say they're selling 10,000 units of something, yeah. they have 10 million people on their emailing list. By the time that list finish sends to that, like the last million people on it, the product is already sold out. So it's a huge, huge logistics team, even from a marketing perspective, as you grow as a company. So what what were some of those surges in just shipping volume that you saw? Yeah, so for us, it was just really like, I mean, our, our system was getting hit all the time with just all these orders. And for us, it was just prioritizing, right? Like face yeah. masks, gloves, everything like that went out first. Um, before you know other second items like for and for us we were adding on you know 24-hour shifts adding night shifts um yeah we were we're consistently hiring in our fulfillment centers um to keep up with demand i, I think we did a, a really great job operationally and and making the decision to ship all these you know ppe products out first these protective products out first um but yeah was um, just have a question in the chat here. Was um, your ability to ship out impacted at all by social distancing? Did you switch to twenty four seven so that you would have be able to ship out the same number of orders with less people working at a time in the warehouse? So how did how did social distancing or how I mean the pandemic is still going on? How how has social distancing and new regulations impacted uh, impacted that? Yeah, that was like my first question. I'm like, how are we doing this? Like. But then if you think about our fulfillment centers, they're massive. So social distancing is definitely not an issue. We were able to spread out the packing stations and have pickers only going in, you know, certain aisles and spreading them out. Um, but yeah, that was like my main thought was like, dang, how are they going to do this? But just having a huge fulfillment center was not an issue to really spread people out. And of course, we, you know, our employees are, are number one. So of course they had face masks, gloves, um, you know, when they were clocking in temperature scans and, and everything to, to keep them protected as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that, that makes sense. I mean, six feet away, it's yeah. a very uncomfortable handshake distance. Like if two adults are just can almost touch their hands, that's about six feet. So if you think in a warehouse, how close are people yeah. That's a great question that I I didn't even even think of. Um, so one question here, another one le leading into the trends is that uh, toys and games are starting to to decline. What's replacing it? Do you think that um, toys and games will continue to sell over the summer when school is out? Yeah, I mean I do. Just looking at electronics and everything was pretty much at like. A steady and then just seeing them spike and I mean they're they're continuing to go up people are at home people want something to do even um, with everything opening up and some states opening up I think people are being very cautious um, and and really just staying at home still and and looking for things to do because I mean we saw games electronics they were steady and, and we, we saw a huge spike and and they're continuing to grow that's awesome. Uh, totally unrelated to the question for me. What would it take for you to go to Las Vegas right now? What would it take for me to go to Las Vegas? 
uh, a show. It can be just being paid an absorbent amount of money. But for you to get on a plane and go to Vegas for like 72 hours, what, what would it take to get you there? It would take uh, them telling me that my health and safety is going to be okay and I'm not going to get sick. That's, that's a very good response. Mine is not nearly as responsible. I would like to see two casinos on this trip be imploded. If they said, you know what, we've got too much inventory, we're going to do an old-fashioned Vegas implosion, and I could see two two large implosions, maybe some fireworks in between, I think that would get me there. Yeah. Um, but then I see the people in Vegas right now, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not even that. Yeah. I'm sure Vegas took a huge hit to all from all of this. Well, I mean, the whole city is based on people out of town coming in and spending money. But apparently when they reopened last week, it's been there. They've had to more, more hotels because it's been far more people than they thought would be coming. And the other really interesting thing too is, with social distancing, it's going to feel a lot more full. If you take out half the slot machines and all of a sudden it looks like they're at 75% capacity, you can get creative with how it's how it's set up, which is really interesting. Yeah. So obviously uh, the last two weeks have uh, shown another uh, huge, huge change in society with with um, the, the surgeons and momentum that the Black Lives Matter movement has been gaining and, and for good reason. But also just with things starting to open up as well. So it's almost like um, obviously the pandemic's still on, but now we're dealing with with two more things. One stores opening up again, but also um, with the the protests, have you seen any any other shifts or changes within the last two weeks? So we know that some industries have been spiking, others saw a big dip. Have, have those trends reversed at all within the last couple of weeks or what's been happening there? Yeah, I I mean, for those trends or like what's kind of what's going up and what's going down um, in, in terms of that, I mean, I, I'm not sure if that has a, a bunch to play into it. I mean, I'm sure it does, but for us, it's just exactly kind of what you would have thought. We're, we're seeing apparel go back up, which is super exciting. I think in the beginning of this, um, you know, apparel was down. No one was really thinking about buying clothes. You know, there there was mass layoffs. And, and now it, it's exciting to see that kind of go back up and, and how far down it was. Um, mm-hmm. So that's super exciting. And within apparel, has it been different clothes now that the warmer weather's here? Um, I can't speak for everyone. I put on a pair of shorts that I've been wearing for the last couple of seasons. Seeing I put them on is a stretch. I, I squeeze myself into them. Uh, so just, and I'm sure that I'm not alone. Do you have any insights into the types of apparel that's been, been selling more? I assume it's more summer stuff, but also more comfortable casual clothes as people are shifting to work from home. I was about to say we're seeing a ton in like the more like comfortable, like at leisure wear it is definitely um, spiking. And mm-hmm. I think just like outdoor, like camping or anything like that as well. Yeah, that's huge. I didn't even think of that, but it's one of the few activities that are open that you can do to go go camping and it's outside. So it is fairly safe. Yeah. Um, so. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you finished your thoughts. I was going to move on. Uh, I was going to say we have a, a super cool client. It's called Kula Cloth. Mm-hmm. And it's 
basically um, it's a little cloth. So when you go camping, it's something that you can strap onto your backpack and it folds in the way it's, you use it when you go to the bathroom uh, mm -hmm. and it folds in the way that you can put it on your pack and it's never touching your pack or anything like that. And we, we actually spoke with them and, and she's just seen just a huge spike as well from people like that can't get toilet paper or just, you know, people are looking to really take advantage of outdoors and kind of social distancing and hiking and doing what you can outside, which I thought, duh, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And it's the, a lot of the parks and stuff have never been so open and empty and just with less commuting, there's so much less smog. I, uh, I follow an entrepreneur and he goes on like 15 mile hikes around LA every weekend. And it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's super exciting. LA, we recently just opened up all of our trails. Um, mm -hmm. I know some places, some States trails never closed down, which was, which is really nice. But for us, yeah, they, they all re reopened. I think state parks are, or national parks are coming soon, but yeah, it's, it's been definitely been great to take advantage of, of doing that during this time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. Uh, so I think that something that's been really interesting that, that always comes up when you talk e-commerce is Amazon. Uh, and we, we, we both have value props that allow independent uh, retailers to compete against Amazon because really you're building that brand. And a big part of that is how you get your products, but also how you can service your customers. Everyone expects two-day shipping with a perfect return policy like they get from from Amazon. So we at Gorgeous take care of the, the customer support side of things. If you want to check us out, uh, just gorgeous.com slash demo, we can give you a, a demo. Or if you just want to sign up and play around with the data, gorgeous.com, you, we may be very easy to sign up. Just You can go, you don't need to fill out eight forms to get a demo in two weeks. You can just try it with your own data. Um, and we are just talking about this a little bit before that you can't really try a fulfillment center. Uh, because it is so, there are just so many moving parts. But in terms of, of Amazon, how have you worked with with brands on Amazon? And I think that there's a lot that we can uh, deconstruct here from Amazon stopping receiving new goods to being short-staffed and backed up. Uh, let's take a few minutes to just talk about all things Amazon. So I'll give you the floor to, to just kind of start and then maybe I'll feed you some questions as, as we want to dig into more topics. Yeah, I mean, so we, we saw a lot of people on Amazon that were just like, hey, what the heck? Like, I can't, I can't do anything with Amazon right now. You know, they, they're not allowing us to send more inventory and they're not shipping out our products. You know, they, they chose to ship essential items out as well, um, mm -hmm. rightfully so. And so a lot of Amazon was having to turn a lot of merchants away. Um, luckily, we integrate with Amazon FBM. So a lot of people just switched actually from Prime to FBM. And then I think it was like just a great wake up call in general, getting on the phone with these, these brands and them just saying like, yeah, I'm pushing everything to my Shopify or big commerce or, you know, I want, I want everything to go to my Shopify now. Like this is just a good sign of like, Hey, you know, what happens if Amazon, you know, I, I can't sell on their, their platform anymore. Like, it, it, I think it, it was a really good thing for them just to realize like, hey, there are other ways for me to get my product out there. And a lot of brands are exploring with really cool marketing and now, you know, focusing on their Shopify and looking at, you know, custom packaging solutions and really having like a whole unboxing and brand experience, which I thought was just such a great way of really adding on to their Shopify store. Absolutely. And it's... Um 
so I've been a merchant myself for a number of years, and I always looked at Amazon as sort of a downsell option. A lot of customers trust Amazon. If you're selling something small that when people only buy one unit, it's not that profitable, use that as your abandoned cart strategy, and then but try to own that customer data. And if you do a new product launch on Amazon, you have all the customers that you can send there to say, hey, we're, we've partnered with Amazon for uh, a prime exclusive promo, or however you happen to change that marketing messaging. Yeah. So I think that's really, really interesting. And consumers as well. Uh, so my litmus test is always what my parents start to say about stuff. And when they're complaining about the quality of goods from, from Amazon, I realize it's kind of mainstream. It's kind, it's easy for us in the industry to say here, oh, Amazon's shifting off. And then uh, I guess lay people or non-industry people start talking about moving away from Amazon and not trusting it. I think that that's really, uh, really interesting as well. How have you seen your ship times compared to what traditionally is uh, an Amazon ship time? So I think that we all know that two-day prime or next-day prime went out the window. It's it's coming back, but for the most part, it was you get it when you get it. How were your shipping times impacted during during really COVID being, being at its peak, I guess? I'm just yeah. sorry, I don't even know the verbiage to use. Yeah, so I think, you know, everyone was impacted. The the carriers were overwhelmed. And for us, it was just really being transparent with merchants and saying, hey, you know, our shipping partners, UPS, FedEx, you know, they're all overwhelmed. And, like, just having them, the, the brands that were super successful were the brands that had great customer service mm -hmm. and were able to, you know, really answer those customers and be really transparent and honest and human and just letting them know like, Hey, there's a pandemic going on, you know, shipping times are going to be a, a little longer than normal. And I know from a consumer, I, I got that email and they emailed me without me even having to, to say anything to them. And I really appreciated that. And, it's it's really kind of what you expect. Luckily, you know, with all of our fulfillment centers in the U.S., the seven of them, um, we were able to still, you know, really ship things out two days and and still deliver on that excellence. But I mean, it it really is on the carriers, and like I said, they were completely overwhelmed. And I think the brands that really came out on on top were just the ones that were human, honest, and and transparent. And I think people obviously understood that. Yeah, no, absolutely. and that's what we saw as well with such an increase in the ticket volume. So it was about 50% increase in ticket volume while sales were remaining about the same, um, which was interesting. But people just wanted to know if they could even get their order, if they had inventory, uh, just so many questions that uh, that they had. So I think that, that as we, we start to, to wrap it up, unless there are any more questions from the audience, what are some of the leading uh, so, and you started to touch on it, and I think it's just a really good tactical way for all the operators and brands listening, but what are some of the leading brands uh, that you work with and what have they done? So if you have any tangible examples of how they've really adapted to, to build a moat around their business or even grow, um, I think that we came into this with a lot of uncertainty. There's still uncertainty of if online shoppers will stay online, um, but I think that it's been a the shift to online first has been accelerated by at least two or three years. So what are those brands that, that were able to thrive during, during COVID? What have they done to, to build that moat and set them up for success? Yeah, I think just 
for them that successful brands like nutrition have, have really taken advantage of, you know, what's going on and, and just giving that, you know, doing a lot of email marketing, doing educating on their products, taking healthy risks, you know, a lot of them, if they were going to launch a new product, maybe putting that on hold for now um, and, and trying out some new email campaigns. We, we actually saw, you know, a, a good amount of our brands really honing in on their agencies and really delivering on excellence and having great customer support and going above and beyond. I, I think that's like really the brands that were successful and are doing good, that that's really what, what we've seen from them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as we wrap it up, what else would you, would you say anything maybe that we didn't touch on that you'd like to, to share with brands looking to move to a fulfillment center, whether it's ShipAub, whether it's someone else, maybe they're starting out shipping their own products, maybe they're doing FBA, Amazon. Uh, what would you say they should look for as they start to really evaluate a, a fulfillment center? Yeah, just making sure it's a good fit, making sure you understand their processes, ask the good questions about transit times and shipping and you know what their SLAs are. I know that's one thing people love about us is you know, our SLAs and, and what we deliver on. And I think asking those really good questions and making sure it's a, a good fit for your business. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to find, it's really hard to switch from a 3PL. So making sure that you have a good one in place, I think that it, that's super important. At the end of the day, if I get a package and it's seven days late, like that really kind of ruins my experience with the brand. So I, I definitely think it's it's something you should put a lot of thought into. Absolutely, and I mean, just thinking out loud, if you're looking at a fulfillment center, find out who some of their customers are and do a test order to see how fast you get it. Does the product arrive well? I mean, maybe do, do a couple if you wanna be really sure with your due diligence, but it's such an investment as that, it, it truly is a conduit between your brand and your customer. So definitely do your due diligence. Yeah, definitely. Well, Carly, thank you so much for, for joining us. Where can people find you? Where can they learn a little bit more about ShipBob? Yeah, just go to uh, shipbob.com. Um, and you can request a quote and, and get in touch um, with us. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was super fun. Absolutely. And for everyone listening at home, cheers. And hopefully you're you're staying safe, staying, staying healthy. And we would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Four stars and lower, get out of here. Five stars only, please. Five stars only. All right. See ya. <laughs> Thanks.